Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. My name is Bex and I love books, which is pretty handy because I am hosting today's podcast and I have got some absolutely cracking stuff on the way for you. I'll be giving you the lowdown on the Yoto Carnegie Greenaway Awards shortlist. That's quite a mouthful. I will be recommending some amazing books to you. We have got our book of the month from Christopher Edge. More about that later. And we'll be chatting to Sophie Anderson about her brand new book, The Thief Who Sang Storms. So there's lots and lots of stuff on the way for you. And why don't we kick it off with that chat with a brilliant Sophie Anderson. Right, I am joined now by the author, Sophie Anderson, who I think I last spoke to a long time ago for The House with Chicken Legs. She has returned with a brand new book, The Thief Who Sang Storms. Hello, Sophie. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very happy to be back talking to you again. It does feel like ages, doesn't it? I think, well, I mean, it probably was, but it does feel longer than it was. I think I met you in the studio last time and this time we're we're kind of doing this virtually, but uh, no matter because you have really released a brilliant book and I, I'm really excited for people to know about it. You've really you've really got some good books out there in the world and this book is no different. Uh, tell us about the island of Morovia in your book. Okay, well, it's um, it's a floating island, which um, I really love that idea. It's one of three floating islands. But the island of Morovia is shaped like a broken heart and it floats across the world's oceans and um, it's unseen by people who lived on the fixed land. So It's kind of a little world. It's a world on our world that is separate. So it has its own history. But there are humans on the island because some humans were shipwrecked on it a very, very long time ago. But um, bird people live on the island as well. And for a long time, the bird people and the humans were friendly and they have a long history together, getting along really rather well. But then um, something happened, something tragic happened, and it kind of divided the island. And um, when the book opens, you have the humans living on one side of the island and the bird people living on the other side of the island. Um, so that's quite sad. So the hero, Linnet, one of her um, goals or her wishes is to reunite the two um, sides of her island, especially because one of her best friends is a human girl and she wants to see her again. It is one of those classic stories of just trying to overcome um, the division in a community, isn't it? And you've got Linnet as well, who um, also needs to try and save her dad. Exactly. Yes, indeed, because um, they've been living um, on, in, on the swampy side of the island and um, the bird people haven't been treated very well so they were stealing in order to um get some riches to you know just to live basically but her father got captured um stealing and he's been sent to um, a keep a guarded keep high in some magicless mountains and um and so of course Linnet wants to rescue him more than anything so it's quite a dramatic adventure for her to cross the swamp and past alligators and sucking muds and sinking sands to get to this guarded keep and and uh, kind of yeah operate a daring rescue to try to get her father back. 
oh, you're so good at thinking up these amazing worlds and these places that people live in. Is there, how do you do it? Do you have like lots of post-it notes on your wall? Do you draw a map yourself at home before you begin? Um, I, I, I think I do all of that, yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking about ideas and I scribble in lots of notebooks and on lots of bits of paper and um, I do draw maps. I'm not very good at drawing maps, but it's, it's not about the art, it's about the ideas, isn't it? Just, yeah, just sort of run with little ideas. I might start to write a little bit to see if it works. I might write letters from different characters or perhaps start a diary and pretend I'm a character just to see what comes out and it's quite a slow process but once it all starts to come together into a book it's really it's such a magical process oh that's such a good idea really good uh, I'm, I'm guessing if listeners are thinking right now how they can maybe start kind of like workshopping a new story that's a great way of doing it right I, I think so yeah I, I, I love um, the one I'm working on at the moment now another one it was quite slow starting and then I started to do diaries and that really helped. And I know they won't end up in the book, but it's just a really good way of getting yourself into the mind of a character and thinking, what would they write in a diary? How do they feel? What's bothering them? You know, what happened to them today? And it just starts you getting into that character's mindset. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, I didn't know people did that, but that makes perfect sense. I also read that um, you you kind of said that Lynette was almost somebody that you would like to be or like, you know, she became such a hopeful, positive character as the more you wrote her, the more you kind of liked her and wanted to be her. Yeah, I really wanted to write, a, you know, like a really positive, hopeful character. She lives in this world that's divided. And obviously that does have parallels with, with our world. You know, sometimes there's an issue in society and you can see that people feel very strongly one way or the other. And it's really hard to know how to bring people together. Uh, you know, I want her to be hopeful and determined and all the things that I would like to be, you know. And um, so she was a really inspiring character to write. I think I, I, I do really like her. I love that you've written your own role model. That's a very cool thing to do. And also, of course, you, you've mentioned all these amazing worlds and, and uh, the island that you created, but you've also got quite deeper themes as well, uh, like grief and prejudice and hope. It's, it's quite a, a lot of stuff going on in the book. Was that quite easy to write or was that quite tricky to kind of put all together? I think a lot of it comes naturally because obviously I think we are complex characters we're, we're complex people and we all have lots of things going on in our lives so it's quite natural to start writing a book thinking I'm writing about this one thing but obviously other things come into it because that's life isn't it we're, we're normally juggling three or four or five different things at a time um it's a bit about grief obviously some of those were quite sad and upsetting but again I think Lynn is such a hopeful character that it was nice to try to put you know, as positive a spin on that as possible. You know, even though she is grieving, she still, you know, is thinking about how can she get through that, you know, and um, and still be positive and how can she help her father through it because her father's grieving as well. And so it's um, they're big issues, but it's nice to try to write them in a positive way rather than, you know, just dwelling on the sadness. She's always trying to move forwards, I think. Yeah, it's it's beautifully woven together. And I've I've also read that um you were kind of inspired by an old Russian folk poem, is that right? I was, yes. All my books are inspired yeah. by um old Slavic or Russian um folklore. And um there's an old folk poem called Nightingale the Robber, and it's always very much inspired me because it has um Nightingale is kind of part bird and part human, and he has this magical, dangerous whistle. And, um, and he's a thief. He like sits by the side of the road 
And it's quite a nice poem. Um, it's quite dramatic. And I just think that imagery of, you know, like a person who's part bird and part human and has this magic. I really loved that. And when I um, did a bit more research, there were um, these creatures called alkonosts in Russian and Slavic mythology. I suppose they relate to Greek, har Greek harpies a little bit, possibly, because they are these birds bird humans and I thought I, I just I just love this idea of bird humans you know so I like them um, and, uh, and and then this is where the floating island came from because there is a floating island in Russian folklore as well and in the folklore it doesn't specifically have bird people on it but I thought it'd be great to put these bird people on a floating island so that they can exist in the world you know without us wondering oh hold on we don't have bird people in the world but I thought obviously we could they, they could just be like hiding away somewhere on a little floating island. <laughs> so this must mean you must always be on the lookout for more Russian folk poems or just Slavic poems in general? Oh yes, I've got a whole shelf of of, of uh, fairy stories and folklore and great big books of folk poems, and it is almost like a never-ending source of inspiration. Absolutely, I always say to children I'm I'm talking to who want to write books, I say if you're not sure what to write, go and pick up an old fairy story book, and you don't have to rewrite that fairy story. But there are so many brilliant characters in old stories that you can. Just and just use that character it's perfectly allowed all of these stories there are heritage and it's brilliant to work with them and reinvent them for a younger audience you know for an audience today that is such good advice sophie uh, well thank you so much for chatting to us we should say the thief who sang storms is out on the 31st of march is that right that's right yes and it also has the most beautiful cover as well. Um, so hopefully, sorry, hopefully we'll have uh, more and more books from you because you've got that bookshelf full of uh, fairy tales to inspire you. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to writing more. I will just say that the cover is by um, a lovely artist called Joanna Lees Oviet, um, who does the internal illustrations as well. And they're all oh, just they really, really lovely. Um, well, thank you so much, Sophie. And hopefully we'll speak to you soon. And you, you take care. Thank you so much for hosting me. Now, I need to tell you that the Yoto Carnegie Greenaway Award shortlist is live. Now, that is quite a big mouthful of words to say in one go. I'm kind of impressed I got through it, to be honest. But basically, it is a big award that a lot of authors are desperate to win because it looks pretty good to say you have it under your belt. There are some awesome authors on the shortlist this year. Phil Earle, Alex Wheatle, Sue Divin personally, don't tell them I said this, but my favourite book that's been nominated is Katja Barlin's October October. We interviewed Katja, I think last year. If you scroll back in the podcast app, you can probably find it in the Bookworms podcast. Her book was beautiful. It was heartwarming. I just absolutely loved everything about it. So that is my one that I would quite like to win. Uh, the winners will be announced on the 16th of June at a lunchtime ceremony at the British Library, hosted by poet and novelist Dean Atter. So keep an ear out on this podcast because I'm sure we'll announce the winners as soon as they are told to us. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! 
Right now it's time for my Fun Kids Bookworms Book of the Month. And I am thrilled because this month I have chosen Christopher Edge's brand new book, Escape Room. Now, I love every book Christopher Edge writes because there's always a twist, there's always a turn, there's always something to look out for that you just don't see coming no matter how hard you look. And it was no different in this book, to be honest. It's all about 12-year-old Amy arriving at the escape Now, she thinks it's just a game, an escape room with puzzles and challenges with a few of her teammates, but there's so much more to it. So let's find out a little bit about the book from Christopher Edge. Well, I am joined right now by author Christopher Edge. Hey, Christopher, how's it going? Good, thank you, Bex. Now, I uh, genuinely... I love your book so much. So when I heard you had a new book out, I was really excited. But I also find them, you're one of the most difficult authors authors to interview because there's always something I can't really spoil or reveal to the listener. Yes, I've done it again. So I'm sorry about that. There's a few spoils in this new one escape room. Well, let's see how we go with it. I'll try not to ruin too much. So first of all, like I said, I was genuinely thrilled when I heard you had a new book because I, I do love your books. Um, and Escape Room is all about Amy, who is going on an adventure. What can you tell us about Amy? So yeah, so Escape Room is a story about finding the answer and saving the world. And it follows a girl called Amy as she enters the escape, which is the ultimate escape room. And there she meets uh, four teammates, Oscar, Adua, Ibrahim and Min. And they meet the host of the game who gives them their mission to find the answer and save the world. But as the host locks Amy and her friends inside the first room, they quickly realise that this is no ordinary game. Oh, that's the setup. That's what I wanted to hear. Now, I've got to say, the first room they're in, already I was like, oh my goodness, if this was a real escape room game, that, you know, the production values would be pretty immense. I mean, it must have been quite exciting to kind of make up this escape room. It was lots and lots of fun. What what I love about escape rooms, because as part of the search, I've played a couple, is they immerse you in another reality. And so in... Uh, escape room the story i wanted to do that for the reader so in the first room amy and her friends meet a chess playing automaton who they have to defeat a game of chess and it's a more dangerous game of chess than most games of chess i can tell you again you've really put me in a bind here because i don't want to ruin too much but there is there's a theme of dust running through the book i wanted to ask about that as well yeah so the, uh, another of the rooms they find themselves in they find themselves in this cavernous library it looks like it's filled with every book in the world But when Amy tries to read the books, the words turn to dust on the page and she finds herself trapped in a dust storm in the middle of this library. And dust is one of the themes. It's kind of the repeating kind of motif in the story. It kind of links this idea about how ideas are around us all the time, like kind of a person called Richard Feynman, who was a physicist back in the 20th century, said he imagined one time you might be able to miniaturize all the information in the world's libraries onto a, a speck of dust and that kind of inspired that part of the story oh that's cool because i mean you must have done a lot of research for this because there are so many things that i was fascinated by like the, the chess playing robot uh, and like all of those stories were they all true are they all real stories yeah every room inside the escape so from the library to, to a, a maya tomb a kind of civilization from kind of like over a thousand years ago in central south america so I had tons of research to do because every room is inspired by something real and, and the themes of the room link to the ideas and the stories too. Yeah, the red dust in the Mayan tomb as well. I'd never heard of that before, that idea of it being kind of deadly. Yes, an actual archaeologist back in 1994 discovered this hidden tomb in a Mayan temple 
and it was a tomb of someone they, they named the Red Queen of Palenque, a mayor noblewoman whose body was covered in, completely covered. She was surrounded by lots of treasures and things, but every single thing in the tomb was covered in this red dust, which is cinnabar, which is uh, one of the most deadly minerals in the world. It's known as dragon's blood, and just a touch of that mineral can kind of eventually kill you. So it was almost like a booby-trapped tomb. So that was me putting kind of a, a bit of an Indiana Jones theme into the story too. You definitely felt it. And and can you tell us a little bit about the other characters who are playing the game with Amy? Because as you kind of point out, they all have different roles to play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've played the escape rooms, back, but the secret to play, uh, winning at an escape room is to have a good team. You need a team with different skills. Mm. You might need someone who's observant. You might need someone who's good at puzzling things out. So in the escape room story, Amy has a team of friends who've all bring different skills. There's Ibrahim, who's very observant. There's Adjua, who's a bit of a risk taker. Min, who's got reserves of knowledge to draw on. And, and kind of Oscar, who kind of like, likes to move fast and break things. <laughs> uh, so it's a real mix of personalities, but together they hope they can find the answer. And in the story, in, in the escape room that you've created, which one do you think you would be the best at? Oh, see, I... When I actually did some escape rooms as a search, I wasn't very good. <laughs> I got locked in every time. I think I'd have most fun. I mean, I'd love the library, but another one, they find themselves in an abandoned shopping mall. But this is quite a dangerous shopping mall because there's some strange creatures stalking the aisle. So as I was on the run from these strange creatures, I might just do a bit of shopping on the way. <laughs> So tell me about when you did your escape rooms, because I imagine you had to do a few for research. Because, spo- spoiler alert, I am absolutely terrible at escape rooms. I once did an escape room game with my friends, and about mm, 20 minutes in, the guy running it had to open the door and give us more clues because we were so bad at it. He was like, you're just not going to get this in time. So you can't be as bad as we were. I, was, I might have not have been far off. The, the ones I did, I had one where I was locked in a museum and had to find a hidden artifact, and there was lots of cabinets to unlock keys are always a big theme in escape rooms mm. finding keys trying keys puzzling things out the one that scared me the most was when i was trapped on a nuclear submarine oh man and the reactor was about to go critical unless we could find the code to shut it down and when the sirens were blaring <laughs> and the red lights flashing honestly my heart was in my mouth and i wanted to kind of in the story escape room i wanted to create that same atmosphere you know that high stakes everything matters and hopefully the readers hearts will be racing as they turn the pages oh you definitely did that because i was going to ask you it's quite um it's quite an intense book like there's always action on the go was that quite difficult to write or was that exactly like you say was that just the vibe you were going for that was the vibe i was going for this one because I, I wanted to write a story that was kind of about a little bit about the problems that we face in the world today but i didn't want this that to be kind of a book that was preaching at you I wanted that to be but you pick up and you would not be able to put it down before you got to the end I really wanted to kind of every chapter ends on a cliffhanger and like in a real life escape room the stakes get higher and higher and higher as you go through the story so it was a lot of fun to keep on ramping up the excitement as I, I built to the climax of the story Oh, you really, really did do that. And honestly, 
there's so much more I could say about it, but it's one of those books, as you've always written, that you, you have to read it to really get the full force of it because it is such an exciting story. And I imagine you have uh, you have many more stories on the go, surely. I reckon you've got more more up your sleeve. There's more on the way, hopefully, yes. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just in the middle of starting something now. Uh, it's a kind of a bit of a quest story, but a quest with a twist. Well, that's what I want to hear from you, Christopher. I want, it, I want to get those twists because you're the master <laughs> of them. <laughs> that's the oh, thing. I'm- that, I'm going to put that quote on the jacket then, Bex. That's, that's great. The master of the twist. Please do absolutely take that. Well, Christopher, Ed, we should say uh, Escape Room is out right now. And um, thank you so much for chatting to us. And everybody needs to go and read it because honestly, it's, uh, I mean, you're always one of my favourite authors, but it was an absolute dream to read. So thank you so much for chatting to us about it. Huge thanks, Bex. There we go. My book of the month. That is Escape Room by Christopher Edge. Thank you so much to Christopher uh, for stopping by the podcast. Just before I let you go, I need to tell you that A.M. Howell has got a brand new book out. It's called The Secret of the Treasure Keepers. Now, in the book, Ruth has been whisked off to Lonely Rook Farm to investigate the discovery of some long buried treasure with her mum. But at the farmhouse, she finds secrets lurk around every corner. Joe, the farmer's son, is certainly hiding something about the treasure, and land girl Audrey watches their every move. Hmm. A.M. Howell, by the way, is really good at historical fiction, so if you do love her books, make sure you go and check that one out. We've also heard about When I See Blue by Lily Bailey. Now, Lily Bailey, well, this is quite an interesting book, actually. I quite like Lily's writing. It's all about a new town, a new school, but the bully in Ben's head as well. Now, this is something quite interesting. Uh, Ben's brain makes him count to four to prevent bad things happening. Sometimes it makes him tap or blink in fours. Mostly, it makes the smallest things feel impossible. And with a new school, a moody big brother, an absent dad, and a mum battling her own demons, Ben feels more out of control than ever. But then he meets April, and with his new friend... Ben might start to figure out how to stand up to the bully in his brain. It is a brilliant brand new book. I definitely recommend it. Uh, And so thank you so much for listening. That is pretty much the end of the show today. I think we've given you quite a lot there, haven't we? We've given you A.M. Howell and Lily Bailey's new books. We've given you my recommendation for the Greenaway Award shortlist. And we've given you some amazing interviews with Sophie Anderson and Christopher Edge, our book of the month. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it with your friends, tell your teachers, tell your librarian, like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you've got to do to get the word out there. And we'll be back super soon with another episode of the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. Bye. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!